You're listening to You Heard It Here First, the first United Methodist Church of New Ulm podcast. Taming the Tongue James chapter 3, verses 1 through 18. My siblings in Christ, not many of you should become teachers, because we know that we teachers will be judged more strictly. We all make mistakes often, but those who don't make mistakes with their words have reached full maturity. Like a bridled horse, they can control themselves entirely. When we bridle horses and put bits in their mouths to lead them wherever we want, we can control their whole bodies. Consider ships. They are so large that strong winds are needed to drive them. But pilots direct their ships wherever they want with a little rudder. In the same way, even though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts wildly. Think about this. A small flame can set a whole forest on fire. The tongue is a small flame of fire, a world of evil at work in us. It contaminates our entire lives. Because of it, the circle of life is set on fire. The tongue itself is set on fire by the flames of hell. People can tame and already have tamed every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish. No one can tame the tongue, though. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we both bless the Lord and Father and curse human beings made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come from the same mouth. My siblings, it just shouldn't be this way. Both fresh water and salt water don't come from the same spring, do they? My siblings, can a fig tree produce olives? Can a grapevine produce figs? Of course not. And fresh water doesn't flow from a saltwater spring either. Are any of you wise and understanding? Show that your actions are good with a humble lifestyle that comes from wisdom. However, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, and stop bragging and living in ways that deny the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. Instead, it is from the earth, natural and demonic. Wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there is disorder and everything that is evil. What of the wisdom from above? First it is pure, and then peaceful, gentle, obedient, filled with mercy and good actions, fair and genuine. Those who make peace sow the seeds of justice by their peaceful acts. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Does anyone have a favorite quote or a, from a book or a movie or maybe a TV show? Something that really resonated with you or that it stuck with you even if you first heard it years and years ago? I've had several quotes that have stuck with me that way over the years. Most have come from different books I've read. Some have come from a few childhood TV shows, like Mr. Rogers telling me, It's you I like. Lately, I have revisited the ancient mystic and anchoress Julian of Norwich, who, and I have been thinking about the words she wrote of visions she received as a young woman. And after spending some 35 years contemplating their meaning, Julian wrote, All shall be well, and all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. For just as the Blessed Trinity created all things from nothing, just so will the same Blessed Trinity make everything well which is not well.
And so ever since I discovered this short passage a few years ago, these words have stuck with me and sustained me in moments of frustration or of difficulty. It strikes me as well of the power that words have and the power that each of us wield with the use of our words to either build up and encourage or tear down and do harm. And this is where we pick up our scripture passage for today from James chapter 3, verses 1 through 18, where James is talking about the power of words, but further, he's talking about the power of our tongues as the source of words and consequently of speaking good into others' lives or doing harm with our words. James even offers some examples of what taming the tongue looks like. A horse that has a bridle and a bit in its mouth, and how its whole body can be controlled by its rider because of that small piece of metal and bit of leather. He draws from a large ship controlled by a small rudder, even when carried by the wind. Now, of course, that example was given long before the invention of the engine, but the point holds. Or how a small flame can become a raging forest fire extremely quickly. Or how a fig tree can't produce olives. Or how fresh water and salt water can't come from the same place. In a similar way, James make the, makes the declaration in verse 9, with it, the tongue that is. We both bless the Lord and Father and curse human beings made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing coming from the same mouth. My siblings, it just shouldn't be this way. And James is absolutely right. And yet, while taming the tongue or watching our words is a good and noble practice, just like how engaging in good work in good works doesn't save us, neither should this be the end-all be-all for a life of discipleship that is following Jesus. There was a time, very early in my own Christian walk, where I was very careful about the words I said. And while I didn't go as far as counting them or recording the encouraging ones and the discouraging ones or the good and bad ones, in the end I found that the growth I desired didn't come because it became my main focus and I was trying to control my words to keep myself in check. But I did so outside the purview of spiritual growth. It became a way for me to try to work out my own salvation, as it were which as we've heard from the Apostle Paul and from our Ephesians series earlier this summer, only comes by the unmerited free grace of God, free for all and free in all. Even so, James describes it as seeking wisdom from God and ties into this running theme we've seen in James for the past several weeks, minding the gap between knowledge of God and wisdom as a friend of God. I'm reminded of the passage from Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12, where Jesus teaches the crowd about prayer. And he says, Ask, and you will receive. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Whoever seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door is opened. And so if we are bold to ask for wisdom and seek to go deeper in our walks with Christ, we will be more able to control the words we say but it only comes as a byproduct of our relationship with God. Now, I think we need to be clear here, too, is that this distinction is drawn between having academic or head knowledge about God and how that stands differently from wisdom we receive from God as we develop our relationship with God in our lives. The wisdom is a byproduct. It's like the difference between looking at a guitar and noticing the different things about it and playing the guitar. You can know it makes music, but until you pick it up and start playing, you will never experience that music for yourself. 
At the same time, though, we must never lose sight of the fact that James is rooted in a faith that is lived out. One of my commentaries described it this way. A pretense of religion without control of the tongue is worthless. Well, that's painful. That hurts. But you see, in other words, James is speaking to the proper and improper use of speech. But we must also be aware of the fact that ancient wisdom, both Greco-Roman and Jewish, agreed on certain points concerning the power and the perils of speech, and a few of them go like this. It was held that silence was better than speech, that hearing, not speaking, was the pathway to wisdom, that when speech, when necessary, should be brief and should always be controlled and not the expression of rage or envy, and further, that the mark of the wise person was, above all, control of speech. This was the understanding, this was the set of lenses James brought to his letter, and why he frames his argument the way he does. Because, you see, a faith that is lived out for James is one that has control of the tongue and seeks to bless and build up rather than curse and tear down. Verses 7 through 10 make this very clear. People can tame and already have tamed every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish. No one can tame the tongue, though. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we both bless the Lord and curse human beings made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come from the same mouth. My siblings in Christ, it just shouldn't be this way. Now, friends, we find ourselves living in a time where everything has become polarized, where things ranging from the small and the minute to the big and the important are now seen through this lens of black and white or right and wrong. And while there is a time and a place for that in our Christian lives, more and more I'm seeing there's less and less space for nuance in our conversations, less space for grace, for coming together and deeply listening to someone who disagrees with us, regardless of what they disagree with us about. And so as such, it can become very easy for us to use our words to tear one another down. And yet all James's conversation about control of the tongue and all our conversation about right and wrong, or good or bad, or whatever prefix we want to attach to anything these days, comes down to one very simple truth. And it goes like this. Are we willing to recognize that each and every person we encounter on a daily basis reflects the divinity of God, and as such is a beloved child of God? Because if we can remember to see the divinity that is within each of us and one another, that regardless of our take on insert hot button issue here, shouldn't that significantly shape the way we treat one another? Shouldn't that have a significant impact on the way in which we live out our faith and speak to one another? A friend of mine told me once when I was getting down on myself that God doesn't make trash. Strange as it sounds, it's true. If we affirm that all people are of sacred worth, and we as United Methodists believe that, it's in our book of discipline, then we must treat them that way. Otherwise, the faith we think we're living out is all for naught, and we're deceiving ourselves. And so, friends, let us seek 
to remember our own belovedness, to be reminded of the belovedness of others, and to seek out a faith that seeks to control our tongues, as we seek to utilize the power of our words to build one another up, both now and always. May it always be so. Amen. Heard it here first, the First United Methodist Church of New Ulm podcast. Feel free to check out our website, firstumcnewalm.org, and our Facebook page, facebook.com slash firstumcnewalm. Hope you have a blessed day.